Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 26th day of June, 2023. The idea of the church and the government have been an issue going back millennia. The ancient Jews had a theocracy where the church was the state. Certainly priests have had a place of influence in government nearly every place. A few places have tried to completely separate the two or have the government take the place of the church. France during their revolution was one. Soviet Russia and other communist countries are other prime examples. In the 7th century, the Byzantine emperor got to confirm the election of the pope. Pope Benedict II is the last pope that has to meet that requirement. I have trouble understanding how you can logically argue that the state has power over the church. If you consider the church as the final arbiter of moral law, it's not possible. The issue becomes when a narrow definition of the church attempts to set moral law on a wider body of folks who may or may not subscribe to their particular doctrines. I will use the Amish for an example. I wholeheartedly support their right to believe that horsepower is divine. Now, I well understand the logic of abstaining from worldliness and the scriptural basis for that. I do not agree with their application of those scriptural concepts. I did not intend for this point to go here, but it's hard for government to pass laws enforcing morality. Yet, that is exactly what nearly every law, in fact, does. The goal of society, and by extension government, is to find a balance between morality and freedom. What is the overarching social benefit? There is no significant benefit to society as a whole for everyone to use horses. It is novel in isolated places like Mackinac Island, but not generally practical. But horse and buggies are easy. That point is not at the forefront of society. But some are celebrating this month. Let's discuss that. But before we go there, let's find some middle ground. Prayer or religious expression in school would be a fine example. I will be quick to go on record that I'm not a fan of school-sponsored prayer, simply because in our society today, we would have prayer in all forms of deities in the name of inclusion. Now, I'm fairly narrow-minded. I could tolerate a Jewish prayer or a Christian prayer. I would stop short of the rosary. Beyond that, I consider all others pagan. I take issue if we have prayer to Allah or some great spirit, and consider all equal. But I do not think that religious expression in schools should be repressed. If a student wishes to pray to Allah and it does not create a disturbance, they should have that freedom. Back to Pride Month. It's not practical to create legislation restricting a person's sexual practices. However, there is a social interest. These subjects may deserve a careful, thought-out discussion. But without a well-developed social understanding, it may well be in society's best interest to not mainstream these issues. I will illustrate with the absurd. We as a society do not allow heterosexual sex in City Park. Doing that will get you arrested. We have decided it's not in society's best interest. Another mainstay of any functional society is it protects the weaker members. The reason we do not want sexual material in elementary schools is not a rabid censorship. 
it is a parent's right to restrict what their kids have free access to. No one would think we should be putting Playboy in a school library. Kids do not have the mental capacity to process it. For generations, it's been accepted that as a whole, we err on the side of conservative in protecting the innocence of children. Why do we still have R-rated movies where no one under 18 is admitted? We assume the parents do not want children to see them. Now, if the parent wants to let them watch an R movie at home, that's another matter. But the safe assumption is they do not. There are things that young skulls full of mush cannot process. Society should protect them. The further concept is the absolute right of parents. For most of time, the assumption has been that parents have near-absolute rights. Unless a parent or guardian was harming the child, then the state would step in. Yet today, we see many areas where schools and government are running around parents and their rights to take minor children into realms we have never went before. All for what? Simply to remove social barriers from any form of sex. Folks, I will not go into discussing the moral pillars, but simply point out that an intact nuclear family with centuries of data has proven to be the best environment to produce productive members of society. Period. Meanwhile, Sam Watkins was born in Maury County, Tennessee in 1839. This made him a prime candidate for the Confederate Army when the Civil War broke out in 1861. Watkins served in the 1st Tennessee Regiment, Company H, that's right after G, in a unit known as the Maury Grays. Twenty years later, he began telling and writing about his experience as a common soldier in the Great War, which was published as a series in a local paper and later as a book simply called Company H with a nod to a Tennessee drawl. In the title, the letter H is spelled out A-Y-T-C-H. His work is now considered one of the best descriptions of the war, especially from the viewpoint of a common soldier. Very few were written. Most often accounts were written by officers and attempted to embellish their roles. A few histories were published under other names or credit given to a lower officer to cloud any possible bias. The Ballad of the Kennesaw Line is a modern telling of a portion of Company H. Look it up. It is a haunting work, and most versions are very well done. The first Grand Prix car race is held in 1904 at Le Mans, France. The Cyclone roller coaster at New York City's Coney Island opens in 1927. Coney Island is on the far southwestern tip of Long Island. The neighborhood was once an actual island, known for its beaches, and became an entertainment center. The cyclone was built as a private enterprise alongside similar businesses in the area. It remained private until the mid-1960s. Despite a number of attacks over time, it has persisted and is now on the National Register of Historic Places. FDR signs the Federal Credit Union Act in 1934, establishing federal credit unions, Credit unions are different from banks, and they are cooperatives of the members and are not-for-profit. Their limit is that they may not have access to larger pools of money to loan. The idea was worked out in Europe in the middle of the 19th century and arrived in America early in the 20th. The United Nations is chartered by 50 nations in 1945. 
William Shockley files the original patent for a transistor in 1948. Shockley was working for the Bell Laboratories at the time. 75 years later, we have forgotten how wide-ranging and important the work was at Bell Labs. Bell Labs was the research arm of the telephone company, American Telephone and Telegraph, now simply AT&T. President Kennedy gives his famous speech in Berlin, pledging American support for the western portion of the city. Actor Chris O'Donnell is 53 today. He just closed a 14-year run on the television series NCIS Los Angeles this summer. The first universal product code is scanned in a Marsh supermarket in Troy, Ohio, in 1974. Elvis Presley gives what will be his final concert in 1977. The event was held at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was the third concert of the month, a very light schedule. No matter how iconic he had been, by the late 70s he was barely functional, and reviews called him garish and equated him with Liberace. His death six weeks later shocked the nation. He was only 42. The Supreme Court rules in 1997 the Communications Decency Act violates the First Amendment. The take-home point is the courts will not uphold social standards. The act prohibited sending obscene material to persons under 18 years old. Again, society should work to protect minors. The courts have a history of disagreeing. J.K. Rowling publishes the first novel in the Harry Potter series in 1997. The author took a year to find a publisher that was interested in the book, and when she did, the first printing was just 500 books. In 2012, neighborhoods of Colorado Springs are ablaze. A total of 347 homes were burnt in a matter of hours. Ten years ago, the Supreme Court strikes down the Defense of Marriage Act by a 5-4 margin. The original act had been signed by President Bill Clinton and attempted to restrict same-sex marriage. The court redefined provisions of the Fifth Amendment, pretty clearly a land grab by the more leftist wing of the court. Two years later, in another 5-4 ruling, they find a constitutional right to same-sex marriage in the 14th Amendment. The court has more and more taken to writing law from the bench. Many of the current decisions are greatly extrapolating concepts from the Constitution that were never there. The 14th Amendment was written during Reconstruction to prevent discrimination of blacks. The court often uses clause in the amendment to extract new rights. The Equal Protection Clause, which took effect in 1868, provides, quote, nor shall any state deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, end quote. It mandates that individuals in similar situations be treated equally by the law. It's ludicrous to say that same-sex and heterosex marriage are similar situations. Now, I will grant there are issues within the law especially inheritance rights, medical privacy, and few others that are constructed around marriage that creates problems for non-traditional couples. I'm all for persons having the right to associate with who they want, but the only reason there is civil marriage is to address the environment for raising children and that women had limited rights for most of the 19th century. That is society's only interest in the matter. Religious marriage is a completely different discussion. That's history and comment for the 26th day of June. 
I'm Doug Tyrrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.